Hello, everyone, and welcome to our new technology spotlight, Engineering the Future. My name is Mark Beetz, and I'm the head of internal communication for UBS's Chief Digital and Information Office. In this new series, we'll talk to engineers, technology experts, and entrepreneurs to explore the transformative power of technology and innovation. And we'll put a particular focus on the financial services industry. With this podcast, we'll try to understand the innovators behind this transformation, what makes them tick, what drives their creativity, and what keeps them interested. Here with us today is Chet Antolia. Chetan has been actively shaping the future of banking with UBS for nearly 25 years and is currently the head of UBS Next. UBS Next is UBS's venture unit that, among other things, runs a corporate venture capital fund investing in early-stage fintechs while also running a corporate incubator supporting innovative projects. The ultimate aim? To help UBS lead the way in this age of digital disruption. So with that, let's dive right in. Chetan, thank you so much for being here. It's great to be here, Mark. And yeah, it's exciting to be in the middle of all this transformation and disruption that's happening in the world of finance, as you say. Yeah, and I have to say, Chetan, I totally agree. And um, I certainly don't have the same vantage point that you have being in your spot with UBS next, but I've been with UBS for 18 years and really feel like these last few years have been among some of the most exciting of my career, just in terms of the, the pace of change and constant emergence of new possibilities. I think in our call, I definitely want to talk to you about a lot of those exciting things, um, including what's going on with UBS next. But as much as this podcast is about technology and innovation, it's also about the people that are driving these themes forward. And so I was hoping maybe you could begin by just giving us a little bit of your background and talk at a high level about where you came from and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So in a nutshell, I was born and brought up in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, my mother was a, a teacher and my father, a businessman who ran uh, a small hardware store, you know, selling things like tools and nails and uh, plumbing material. And like most parents, um, you know, they played an instrumental role in shaping what I do today. For example, uh, they got me my first computer, which was quite unusual back then in 1980s Kenya. Uh, I then moved to Manchester in the UK for university, where I studied software engineering. And the um, the universities there have a strong bias towards industry and entrepreneurship. And it's through one of their programs at university that I ended up doing an internship with UBS. And uh, to be honest, at that point, I hadn't really thought much about finance or banking. You know, I just thought banks were places where you go to get cash or get a loan. Uh, but that internship led to a full-time job with UBS where I've now done a variety of roles in both technology and business areas in London and in Zurich. And uh, almost 25 years after that internship, I find myself lucky enough to be doing my dream job, which is running UBS Next. Yeah, I mean, it's a great story. And right away, I have to say that I really love your story because it represents maybe the number one thing I enjoy about working like for a company like UBS, which is you come across just such a diversity of people and ideas and thoughts and stories. For example, I started my own career um, back on the trading floor in Stanford in 2005, which I love because it felt like the entire world had just been sort of crammed into this space the size of a football pitch. And there was just so much to learn about what was going on around me and the people around me, which kind of leads me into maybe my first question, which is you talked briefly about growing up in Kenya. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what those early years looked like. What was it like growing up there? What were you into as a young man? And maybe most relevant to our conversation today, was tech already a focus for you? Or is that something that happened later on in life? Yeah, so when I was growing up, I was surrounded by entrepreneurs and business people. And that sounds very grand, but I'm talking about small-scale businesses, but enterprising entrepreneurs nonetheless. For example, talk at the family dinner table or at social events with my dad's business acquaintances would often be around the challenges of running a business, customers, downturns, new opportunities. 
When you grow up in an emerging economy, market economy like Kenya, you're surrounded by lots of mom and pop stores for everything, like small family-run restaurants or hardware stores like my dad's, and then these one-person kiosks where you can get milk and bread. Uh, and this is rather than you know big brand firms like a Pizza Hut or the Home Depot or Tesco's, which might be more the norm in say London or New York. So one could almost think of the Kenya that I grew up as a land of lots of tiny startups. And then my mom, like most teachers,、uh, you know, made sure I focused on my education and still, you know, very strong sense of discipline. Yeah, I mean, it's it's super interesting. And as I said, I just love hearing different people's life stories. And and I'd like to just pull a little bit more at the childhood thread, if that's okay. In your intro, you mentioned getting your first computer at a fairly young age and how that was relatively unusual at the time. A little bit curious to know, is that something that, when you look back on your life, you think had a big impact on you? Yeah, my first computer was a Commodore VIC-20. I mean, it wasn't even the the more famous Commodore 64. And I got it when I was around.、Um, Eight or nine years old, and I started coding from that point on. I was basically a geek who loved writing code, solve puzzles, create simple games, maybe produce some graphics, that sort of thing. And I guess I was quite lucky to have parents who not only got me that first computer, but then encouraged and allowed me to explore and invest in what was to become my passion.、Uh, for example, I also ran one of only two bulletin board systems in Nairobi. Now, for those who are not familiar, you know there were hundreds of these BBSs for short,、uh, running on computers all over the world. And some of them were run by individuals on their home computers, like me, and some were run by professional outfits. But they all connected to each other using telephone dial-ups. Essentially, created a network to exchange information and messages and news. And of course, it was all only text-based at that time. But basically, that was the early stage of the internet. You know, we talk about Web 2.0 and Web 3 today, but that was probably Web 0.5. <laughs> and I, st- I still remember one month,、uh, my parents screaming at me because of the huge telephone bill that I'd run up by connecting my BBS to foreign BBSs using international calls. <laughs> well, you know, being a parent today,、uh, I feel like I get a new bill in the, the mail every day. But I can only imagine what that must have been like for them. And kind of just building on that, so if I could take the liberty of putting some pieces together, and you tell me if, if I've got it wrong in any capacity. But I think about where you are today, and it sounds like you were surrounded by a bit of entrepreneurial spirit. Both inside and outside your home, and you were getting a bit of a taste of technology through the computer your parents had bought, and it sounds like a, a fair amount of self-exploration. And it just makes me curious: were you consciously aware of the idea of entrepreneurship and, and specifically tech entrepreneurship, or do you think that's something that maybe impacted you indirectly, or is it just something that you look back on your life in retrospect and say, "Hey, maybe that did have an impact, or maybe none at all." I don't think I was aware at the time. Of the connection between technology and business, if, if that's what you mean. For me, technology was fun and exciting, and business was dull and what adults had to do. I guess it was further cemented because、uh, my brother and I, we were forced to go to my dad's shop on Saturdays and learn how to cash the register,、uh, do stock takes and inventory takes, and, and other mundane tasks. However, the the tech and entrepreneurship connection did come later in life. That's a bit of an interesting teaser there. Why don't we move a bit in that direction and maybe skip ahead a few years? You mentioned, I think, also that you went to pursue a degree in software engineering. You've already talked about having a baseline interest in tech, but how did that come about? Yeah. So by the time I was a teenager, I'd upgraded that、uh, Commodore to a more modern machine, and all those Saturdays being forced to do the the manual admin at my、uh, dad's shop got me thinking, and I ended up creating some accounting software for his business. 
Now, it worked quite well, and then some of his friends who also ran small businesses started using it. And if you remember, this was the time before things like Quicken and QuickBooks. And it was then that I realized where my passion lay, and it was basically using technology to solve those business problems. And it was also the time I started my, my first company at the age of 16, which is to, uh, to sell that accounting software. Uh, now, in the end, it was a failure. I couldn't sell enough to make it viable, but uh, I learned a hell of a lot. And um, also that ensured I've turned my focus to studying and then getting into university to then study software engineering. Yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. And, and it's funny to hear you talk about it maybe being a failure because I think just starting your own tech company and being that forward-minded at 16 is still really impressive. And, you know, I, I think maybe to save my ego, I'll refrain from thinking too much at the moment about what I was doing it at 16 and, and instead just move on to to something else you mentioned during your intro, where you said that your studies led directly to an internship at UBS. Knowing a bit more about your background and knowing that you'd already built this, this bit of accounting software and tried to launch a business, I'd be a bit curious to know, when you went to go study software engineering, did you know that the financial services industry was always going to be where you would deploy your talents? So did you have that in, in your plan or was that something that you decided as you went along? Definitely not. I didn't think of finance at the time. And when I joined UBS as an intern, I really knew nothing about banking and finance. Uh, to be honest, I still learn new things about the industry today. So the, the candid answer to your question was that of all the internships uh, that were available, banks paid the most. And remember, I was a young student at the time. But I quickly came to appreciate you know, the world of finance and also the culture we have at UBS, which is why I've been hooked to both industry and the firm for 25 years. Right. And, you know, it's such a common story that I hear again and again, and it's something I can personally relate to. At one point, I was a college soccer coach. I never really intended to work in banking. It was just something that, that sort of happened because I needed to make a bit of money, had a few friends from the soccer world that were working at UBS and the trading floor, which which I think at the time might have actually even been the world's largest trading floor, literally right on the corner of my neighborhood in Stamford, Connecticut. But while my career in finance has been nothing like I expected and wasn't planned, it's been really a positive experience straight through. I mean, since joining UBS, I've felt like I've had the chance to work on exciting and meaningful things with interesting people all the way through. I mean, things like this podcast, which is why I've stayed for so long. And so maybe pivoting off the baseline interest in finance that you built, I'd be curious to know, really in the context of this podcast, when did it start to trend down the path of technology and innovation? Before I answer that, maybe maybe you and I can form the uh, the accidental bankers club. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take it offline, and maybe we uh, we can be founding members. But but back to your question, I think a pivotal moment of my career came around the time when I took a course on digital disruption, and then another course on exponential thinking and leadership. And these these courses were organized by the UBS HR department. And I remember thinking that all the theory that these courses taught of how incumbent firms like UBS need to disrupt themselves or be disrupted seemed really really sound, but there wasn't much of it happening around UBS at the time. And because I was passionate about the concept, I flagged it to my management as something we should explore further. Now, I never expected to lead those efforts, but sure enough, I was asked to give up my role at the time, and I would try to bring some of those ideas into the company. And the job I was asked to do was to build an innovation incubator called the Strategic Development Lab within our investment bank business. And essentially, I got a chance to put all those ideas I had and everything I'd learned from those courses so far into practice, basically in an attempt to validate the question, can a big bank like UBS truly be innovative and act like startup. So suddenly I felt like I was 16 years old again, getting paid to pursue my passion for innovation. And the great thing was that the team had really strong support from management. As a result, we successfully ran a number of projects, some of which are live clients today. 
such a cool story. And I think I mentioned before, I love listening to and learning from people's career journeys. And as I hear you talk about the evolution of your career there, there's quite a few lessons that I think I could take away from what you said. But I think ultimately this is your story, so I don't want to interject my own views. But I'd be, I'd be curious to know if you feel like you learned anything from that experience. Looking back, I think three lessons come to mind. The first is never stop learning. The second would be it always pays to be curious. And I guess the third is if you have a good idea, you should share it. And you should share it upwards, downwards, sideways to whoever will listen. It's, it's super interesting chatting and, and could sit and talk about the, the business lessons that you learned over and over again. But I think maybe we should move into a different direction and kind of get to where you are now. Yeah, sure. So UBS Next is our venture and innovation unit. We do things today to basically ensure UBS is still relevant in the future. By future, for us, we mean three years and beyond. So that's UBS Next in a nutshell. Right. And so then maybe with that, could you tell us a little from your perspective why we need it? Obviously, it's a specific program that was created for a specific purpose. But I'm wondering whether there's something about the way things are today that make this type of program so important versus what maybe the traditional forward-looking three-year planning we would have done in the past. Yeah, there are multiple reasons. The, the first being, that like most other established businesses, the majority of our people, our budget, and our resources are focused on short or medium-term results. They're focused on ensuring the bank's safety and profitability today. But how about the future, especially in a world which is changing so fast? That's where UBS Next comes in, fully sustainable long-term view, as well as the short and medium-term view. And secondly, we know that our clients' needs are constantly changing because their world changes so fast. And we need programs like UBS Next to ensure we remain relevant to these rapidly changing client needs and we can keep up with them. And lastly, it's our employees. All those important people working on today's bank also want to be innovative. And UBS Next aims to enable everyone in the company to participate and engage in creating our future. So those would be the three whys as to why we have UBS Next. It's about longer term focus, it's about clients, and it's about employees. Right. So, you know, I, and I think all that makes sense to me, but I'd be curious to know a little bit about how you make that work. Those are some pretty big ambitions, and I'd be curious to understand how you organize your approach. We basically do four things. The first is to research the latest business model changes and the new technologies that are shaping the future of finance. So an example of a new business model which could impact finance would be the metaverse. And new technology could be areas such as blockchain or quantum computing. The second activity is to continuously connect with the outside world, which includes fintech companies, startups, academia, big tech, and our clients. Because the best insights on the future of finance are likely to come from outside of EPS. We then execute on these insights and these connections by investing and incubating. These are kind of parts three and four. In investing, we invest in early stage startup companies where we can create a future opportunity between them and UBS. And in our incubator, we run innovation projects and basically attempt to convert ideas into viable businesses or fail fast and fail cheap if that's not possible. So the four parts are research, connecting, investing, and incubation. Got it. And then I guess with that, I'd be curious to know if this is about changing the way that we do business or is it about exploring the newest technologies for UBS to use based on today? Actually, it's both. At UBS Next, we research, invest in and incubate with the latest technology that can improve how the current business works. But we also look at whole new business models to make the firm future proof. And the theory is 
at some point, we could also look at new business models and new technologies simultaneously. It sounds like a pretty big challenge, at least looking at it from the outside, which raises the question for me. You obviously can't pull at every thread. You can't explore every new technology and every fintech. So how do you choose which business innovations and technologies to focus on? And how do you know you pick the right ones today? Meaning, you know, as you said, ones that will still be valuable to the firm in the future. The first part of your question on where we choose to invest and incubate ideas, this is driven from something we call our next horizon themes. We basically try to anticipate how the world is changing in the future. So, for example, the mega trends we see and then overlap that with our UBS corporate strategy. What kind of bank do we want to be? And it's this intersection which indicates where we should focus on. To the second part of your question on how do we know we've picked the right ones, uh, we don't. Um, we can't tell for sure what's going to happen in the future, so we actually don't know. And the way we deal with this uncertainty is in two ways. Firstly, we do lots of continuous cheap experimentation, and we fail fast and cheap when we're wrong, but we increase our focus when we're right. And the second way is we employ a very large, diverse portfolio of activity because some of the choices today might turn out to be worthless in the future, but we, we hope that all the other choices are successful and more than offset those. Got it. And it's, it's just really interesting. And, and being part of UBS, I would say that I am familiar with UBS Next, but every time we, we have these conversations, I feel like I, I learned something new, which is great. There are other questions I'd love to ask you about UBS Next, but we are running a little low on time, I know. So I had two other questions I wanted to ask you before we wrapped up. The first, you're obviously a very accomplished expert in the field of technology and entrepreneurship, and these are characteristics that I think it's safe to say are very highly in demand. So I'd like to know a little bit about why you've chosen to stay in banking as opposed to taking your career in another direction. Yeah, I sometimes joke that it's because nobody else will have me apart from UBS Mark. <laughs> uh, but, but, but for me personally, yeah, I've thrived in an environment which has had some structure. But I like the fact that UBS is focused on making technology our differentiator. It allows us to think creatively and focus on innovation. In my role, I get uh, the best of both worlds work for a company that's well-established today and try to create and secure our future place. One key point I can't stress enough is that I had the opportunity to upskill myself and take control of my own career through learning opportunities provided to me. For example, I think it's great that UBS has its own engineering excellence program, which allows in-house engineers to facilitate their own learning journeys outside of their business as usual role and do something similar. Yeah, and I think to the extent that I can, I would absolutely agree with that sentiment, and especially with your, your point about education. Looking back at my own career, internal education has been fantastic and has allowed me to pivot my career in a bunch of different interesting directions. And now working on programs like UBS Next from a comms perspective, it's really cool to see how we're tackling all these themes and working hard to continually build something unique and, and successful. Which leads me to my last question, which we're asking everyone who joins us. If you could see technology solve one issue that society or business faces today, what would you choose and why? And before you answer, I want to be clear because I know these types of questions can make people nervous. This isn't meant to be a gotcha question. And, and I know there's many issues all of us would like to tackle. But it's just interesting to hear people who are working on the cutting edge of innovation and technology express the challenges that they're most passionate about. Well, that's a difficult one. So one issue that technology could solve. If I were to go general rather than specific, I would say the extremes of inequality we see across the world. I think technology should be, and in some respects is already being, that ultimate equalizer. Mark, perhaps I'll leave it at that. Fair enough. I think it's a great answer. So with that, I want to thank you very much for joining us today, Chat. I hope you'll be open to joining us again soon as we're all keen to follow along on the UBS Next journey. And for those of you listening from outside the firm, I hope you'll tune into our next conversation. And in the meantime, be sure to check out www.ubs.com slash UBS Next. Thanks, Chet.
Thank you, Mark. This podcast was prepared by the Chief Digital and Information Office of UBS. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of UBS. This podcast is for information purposes only and does not constitute investment or other advice, research, or recommendation. Neither UBS nor any of its affiliates makes any warranty or representation as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. To the fullest extent permitted by law, neither UBS nor any of its affiliates shall incur any liability in connection with this podcast. This podcast may not be copied, published, reproduced, or redistributed in whole or part without UBS's consent. For further details, please refer to the UBS website.